are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So here we are in this season of Advent. This is our second Sunday, and Advent is not only about preparation for the coming of Jesus, thinking about that coming 2,000 years ago, but it's about Jesus coming to us now. So I've got this idea in my head when I think about Advent. Advent is about hoping, and it's about waiting, right? And it's about longing, and it's about the future. And so when I think about the future, I think about it like this in my mind. Now, we all have ways that we think, and this is one of the ways that I think. I envision my future like this. It's like a picture, but I don't know what the picture looks like. And often in my life, it's like just a corner maybe is peeled back. I've kind of got like a glimpse or maybe a hint of what the future might look like. But, but I have no idea what that picture is going to be. So I want you to think with me and apply it to your life. You ready? Everybody's going to do this together. We're all going to be on the same page here because I want this to be real to you this morning. If I ask you five years ago, I want you to paint me a picture of your life in 2018, okay? Or if I ask you 10 years ago, I want you to paint me a picture of your life in 2018. And you've got to pick the years. For some of you, it might be 20 years ago or 30 years ago, okay? But I want you to paint me a picture of what your life will look like in 2018. How many of you five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago would have painted the picture of your life today? so nobody, right? Rick, I had no idea what my life would look like today. I mean, I had glimpses. I kind of had hints. I had an idea of the direction it might go. But I had no idea that my life would look like this. And when I think about the future, I realize I have no idea what it's going to look like in five years from now or ten years from now. God's got all of that. My future in his hands. And and as we walk with God and as we trust God with our future, I think this is the way that we think. We know that God is up to something. Okay? We know that God loves us. We know that God's working in our lives. We know that God cares about us. But we can't see the whole picture. And in fact, it feels like maybe some days that we've only torn away just maybe just the corner. But when I try to imagine my future, I have no idea what God is going to do. So we all know that God's working, God's up to something, God's moving, but we can't see the whole picture. Now that is really the story of Advent. It's the story of the people of God. They knew that God was up to something. They knew that God was moving. They knew that God loved them. They knew that God cared for them. They knew that God kept His promises But when they came to saying, what does the future look like? They said, well, I I don't know. I mean, maybe we just kind of pulled back the corner. But I don't know what the future looks like. So let me take you to the rest of the story that we started with last week. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, okay? You might remember that last week Zechariah was a priest and he goes to the temple to serve and an angel appears to him and says, Hey, Zechariah, I got really big news for you, man. Your wife Elizabeth, who is elderly, 
never been able to have kids, she's going to have a baby. Could you imagine if we had like a lady here at Bethany First Church that was like in her late 70s and she had never had a baby but she became expectant? I mean, we would all be excited. The tabloids would get involved, right? I mean, we would all be a buzz about this older lady going to have a baby. And so, well, the time comes. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, this elderly lady, God was doing the extraordinary. God was up to something. She gave birth to a son. And when her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her, everyone rejoiced with her. So when the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. Now, that's not something we all show up for, but... Um, in their world, that's what they showed up for. In fact, in Orthodox Judaism today, and I've actually been to one of these ceremonies when a baby is eight days old, a boy, they actually show up at the synagogue and on the platform, like I'm standing here right now, they will actually perform surgery on the child in front of everybody. The mother's over on the side. As soon as the baby has the surgery performed. They rush him over to the mother. She's got a Tylenol dropper. I'm not making this stuff up. I was there. And, uh, and they give him his name, his name, okay? So when the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, exclamation point. Elizabeth could be firm now, okay? His name is John, exclamation point, again. What? they exclaimed. There's no one in all of your family by that name. So they used gestures to ask the baby's father. Now, we know that he couldn't speak because he was kind of demanding a sign. How am I going to know that this is actually going to happen? And so the sign was that he wasn't able to speak. Obviously, he could not hear either because why else would they make gestures to him, okay? Asking the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, these are the words he wrote. His name is John. And instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. Now, read these next couple of sentences with me. Awe fell upon the whole neighborhood. You can read them out loud with me if you want. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. God was up to something. I mean, obviously God was doing something because here is this... Zachariah, who's had this encounter with an angel, and now he can't speak. But when he finally says his name is going to be John, he can speak. And everybody was in awe, and news spread like crazy, and people began to ask, what's God up to? It's like we've peeled back the corner. We can see that God's doing something, but I can't see the whole picture. So when I was... uh, Man, I'm trying to think how old I was, 20, maybe six. I left Kansas City where Annette and I were living, and we were working on staff at a church, and we moved to Nashville, Tennessee. And, and there I was going to pastor my first church. 
And I remember on my very first Sunday, there was a lady named Carol who counted the, the attendance every Sunday. And so when the last person walks out the door and I've shaken their hand, she says, you've met everybody. We were all here today. Everybody was here. And she said there were 60 of us total, counting you and Annette and Brittany. And so I went to work hard. And with my hard work ethic and my winsome personality, our attendance went from 60 all the way down to 38 that next year, you know. I remember mowing the lawn of the church one day because that's what you do when you pastor a church of 38 people. You mow the lawn. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder what will happen if we actually keep going and we actually close the doors. That's not good on a resume, right? That doesn't help you to move forward. But you know what? The next year was better, and the next year was better, and the next year was better. And God brought some incredible people into our lives. And one of the people God brought into my life was a guy named Fred Hoffman. Man, I, I loved Fred. He was single. He was about 35, but he was dating the lady that he eventually married. And I went back to do the wedding for them after I'd moved away. But Fred was this good businessman. He loved God like crazy. And you just felt like, I don't meet many people as committed to walking with Jesus as Fred was. So one, one, one day I said to Fred, Fred, uh, you should preach sometime. I know you're not a preacher, but you should preach sometime. And he said, well, I, I do that kind of thing on occasion. I'm glad to do it. And so he did. And I remember in that sermon he told an awesome story. He said, I was in a season of my life where I began to believe that my business partner was letting me down. And I was hurt, and I was frustrated, and I was trying to talk to him, and he wasn't hearing me. And so I kind of turned to my family, my mom, my dad, my siblings, thinking that they would kind of be there to pick me up, support me, and I kind of tried to cry to them and they didn't really seem to hear me, and they weren't really supporting me, and there were some other things going on in my family, and I felt like, man, I can't even count on my family at this point. And so he says, I turned to God. But as I prayed to the Father, I didn't feel like he was really coming through. He didn't seem to care. At least it didn't appear that he did. So Fred said one day, I remember, I just left my office and I just drove to my house and I got down a duffel bag that I would sometimes pack in and I just started throwing stuff in the bag and I just said, I'm getting out of here. I don't want to be around my business partner anymore. I don't want to be around my family anymore. I'm just going to leave for a while. I'm just going to go away. I'm just going to get away from everybody for a little bit. And Fred says, as I'm packing my bag, I go over to my nightstand because on my nightstand there is my Bible. And I pick up my Bible and I look at the Bible and instead of putting it in the bag, I distinctly remember putting it back on the nightstand. And he said, I was kind of saying to God, uh-uh, you're not coming either. I need a break from you too. I don't even know how much you care right now. He said, I got in my hunting truck and I drove away. I have some property that was only about two and a half hours, I-40, toward Memphis, Tennessee. 
had a cabin there. First dam honey. I'm behind a duck blind. I'm waiting. And before you know it, some geese fly over. I aim. I shoot. A goose falls to the ground. And Fred says, I go out to retrieve the goose. But there's something odd about the goose. There's a tag on its leg. I don't think a lot about it. I make an assumption. The assumption that I made was the Department of Wildlife will often tag fowl, animals, track their patterns, etc. That's probably what it is. But when I look closer, it wasn't from the Department of Wildlife at all. In fact, it was another group of people, Christians, from Canada, of all places. They even put their address and their contact information on there. And I break open the tag, and there's a piece of paper that's rolled up, a little small piece of paper rolled up. And I unroll the paper, and it's a Bible verse. And it's 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your cares on Him. Because He cares about you. And Fred said, I stood there in the middle of that field with this dead goose in my hand. And I look up into the expanse of the sky and I just yell, Are you kidding me? You sent a goose all the way from Canada so I would know that you care about me? You know. I, I think we all have those Fred Hoffman moments. We have those moments when we become convinced that God really does care about me and that God really does love me and that God is really at work in my life. And God is up to something. He's doing something. I've caught a glimpse. I've thought a, a hint. But, but I have no idea what it is that He's doing. You see, this is really the story of Advent. People were longing and waiting and hoping and praying and believing that God is the God who keeps His promises and believing that God was at work. But when they tried to imagine the future, it was almost impossible to see what it would look like one day. It was almost like only the corner had been peeled back and I just have a hint that God is at work. So if you just hang on to that idea for a moment and you go back to the story this is what life was like for Zechariah and Elizabeth. In their day, when a woman was about to give birth, they called the neighborhood together. They even called musicians to come. Friends, family members, relatives, neighbors. And they would wait for the announcement to be made. Finally, the door would open. Some would emerge and say, It is a girl or it is a boy. Now, if they said, It is a girl people would look at one another and kind of smile and walk away regretfully and quietly. But if the announcement was, it's a boy, then the music would start to play and people would start to celebrate and everybody would join in this festivity of celebration that God had blessed this couple with a boy. And that was Zachariah and Elizabeth's story. Now, eight days later... There is going to be a circumcision ceremony and they're going to give the child his name. 
And everybody said, Elizabeth, what are you going to name the baby? Now, the custom was that you would name the firstborn son after the father. But Elizabeth did not say Zechariah. She gave the name that the angel had given her husband, John. And so everybody just immediately went over her head and went to Zechariah and said, What do you want to name the baby? And Zechariah said, His name is John. And immediately his lips were loosed and he could speak. And everybody saw that God had done something amazing. God truly did care. God was involved. God was doing something. God was up to something. They just didn't know fully what God was up to. And so that's why they begin to ask this question that we ask when our kids are born. So what kind of a child will this be? What is he going to turn out to be? What is God doing? We know God's doing something, right? I, th I think we ask it about our kids. I wonder what my kids will be like when they get older, you know. We ask kids when they're little, what do you want to be when you grow up? Just the other day, Annette asked me, what do you want to be, Rick, if you grow up? What are you going to do with your life, you know? It's not just any kid. It's because something special was going on. The hand of the Lord was surely upon him. Because in this story, there is wonder. There is the supernatural. There is something outside the realm of the natural. There is mystery. God is acting in ways that are blowing their minds. This is like a miracle taking place. I think when we are in this moment, we struggle. We just want to grab it, don't we? And we just want to say, come on. Show me what you're up to, God. I want to see the future. I mean, don't you kind of want to see? But as I read the Scripture, the Scripture says, don't be surprised. It's the way it is. Let me show you. Jesus was with His disciples, John chapter 13. And you know what He says to them? You don't understand now what I'm doing. It's okay. Someday you will. This is what God's like. You can't see the whole picture. Some days you just don't know what God's up to, but it's okay. Jesus says, someday you will. Look in Ecclesiastes. I love this. Just as you cannot understand the path of the wind, guilty is charged. I can't tell you where the wind is headed, Right? In fact, there's a lot of people today in Oklahoma that cannot tell you what the weather is going to do, right? You might get nine inches of snow. You might get dry ground. We just don't know, you know? I love this next line. Or the mystery of a tiny baby growing in its mother's womb. When my girls were born and my little granddaughter Sadie was born, I looked into their faces and just said, How? In the world, did God do this? In their mother's womb? Are you kidding me? I don't understand it. And so just as you cannot understand the wind or the baby being born in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand the activity of God. It's okay. You will go through much of your life saying, you know what? I just don't know what the future looks like. 
I don't know what God's doing. Let me give you one other in Isaiah. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways, God says through his prophet Isaiah, are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are just much higher than your thoughts. You won't always get it. Augustine summed it up when he said, If we are speaking of God, why be surprised if you do not understand? If you could understand, it would not be God. I know that God is up to something. I know that God has a plan. I know that He loves me. I know that He cares about me. But I have no idea what that picture looks like. It's as if only a corner has been peeled away. And that's all I can see right now. What you do in those seasons of your life is you learn from an old priest named Zechariah. And here's what Zechariah did when he couldn't see the future. When he knew that God was up to something, but he couldn't paint that picture. Zechariah just did what God said he should do. When everybody else was saying, you can't do that, Zechariah. You've got to name him after yourself for heaven's sakes. It's our tradition Zechariah went against the cultural norms in order to do what God said. And as he writes and he prophesies, I love these words from, from Zechariah. He just begins to worship the Lord, okay? And, and for him, worship was very much defined by the way that he lived his life in honor of God. I heard Francis Chan say recently, when I was pastoring, a person came up to me one Sunday after church and said, you know, I didn't really like the worship today. And you know what Francis Chan said to the person who said to him, I really didn't like the worship today. You know what he said? Oh, that's okay. We weren't worshiping you, you know. Zechariah begins to worship, and I want you to see these words as he goes on. And this is his worship. We've been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. For Zechariah, that's what it was always about, living a righteous and holy life before God. What do you do when you can't see what God's up to, when you can't see the whole picture? Zechariah said, here's what you do. You just keep doing what God has called you to do. And here's, here's the great news about this, okay? There's some inspiration here. Over Thanksgiving, I had fallen and broken a bone and trying to recover. Can't ride in a car to go see my kids in Cincinnati. And so my kids were given the gift of coming here. And it was just awesome. Just such a gift of generosity that my family will never, never forget. And so... So Brittany and my daughter and her husband Tim and my little granddaughter Sadie and my daughter Morgan and her boyfriend Brian, we all just hung out in our house for three days and it was, it was awesome. We played games, we played with Sadie and Morgan, my youngest daughter, for whatever reason, shows up with this puzzle. And, and finally, our dining room table began to be the place of the puzzle. And, and it was a difficult puzzle. 
And, and, and I would be like, I'm done with this puzzle and walk away. But before you know it, somebody would venture into the dining room and then somebody else would join them. And before you know it, all of us, even Sadie, were all staring at the pieces of the puzzle. And, and once in a while, you know what we would say? Let me see that box. Because on the box, there was a picture of what the puzzle would look like. Yeah, I know. You're living your life every day without the picture. You can't see the future. And you're taking every step trusting God. He knows what's behind the paper. Right? That's Advent. I'm waiting and I'm hoping and I'm praying and I'm believing and I'm longing and I'm trusting that God's got my future in His hands. Amen? He says to Zechariah, Zechariah, you can't see it now, but that little baby you're holding in your arm, you know what he's going to do? He's going to make a way. He's creating a path. He's creating a way. And the way that he's creating, Zechariah, is for the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is the hope of the world. He is creating a way that the Messiah will now come. And when the Messiah comes, there will be hope for everybody, not just the people of Israel, but everybody from this day forward will find hope for the rest of their lives. That's what's behind the paper. I've got a plan. And the plan, Zechariah, is that we're going to save the world. <laughs> And in time, you will see the paper come off and your future will be in front of you as God reveals it to you. And so you and I, we get to get up tomorrow, okay? And you know what we're going to do when we get up tomorrow? We're going to get up tomorrow and say, although right now the paper is still over the future, I can't see exactly what it looks like. And just as if you asked me 10 years ago to paint my life today, I wouldn't have painted it this way because I didn't know. I don't know what it's going to look like in 10 years from now either. But I'm going to live my life every day knowing that God does see the future. And He has a plan. And His timing, He is going to reveal my future to me. I don't have to worry about the future. God's got it right here in His hands. So I want you to stand with me, okay? And I want to pray for you. And Libby's going to sing a song. And we're going to celebrate the fact that God has made a way and that He's making a way for you now. And so, Father, I come before you because I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. 
And although, Lord, I can't see the whole picture today, I know that you've got it in your hands and you are up to something and you are working in my life. And for the people in this room who are waiting and hoping and longing and praying and believing and trusting, Lord, pretty soon, as Zechariah prophesied, the morning light is going to break in on us and God is going to do something because you keep your promises. And our trust is in you. In Jesus' name. So this morning as we sing, if you want to pray about your future, I, I would welcome you to come. And, and there will be pastors here and they would love to pray for you. Just Lord, I'm coming today and I'm just putting my life in your hands. And I'm just saying once again, I trust you. So if you want to come, I would love to pray with you today. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.